0: everyone and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a wife, mother, a teacher, blogger, freelance writer and a podcaster and you are listening to episode 29 of the show. Today in My Favorite Things I'm going to be sharing a suspense novel. In the lifestyle segment I'll be talking a little bit about professional rejection and then my interview today is with Canadian teen Faith Dickinson who is behind Cuddles for Cancer which has received a lot of attention not only locally because she lives um, fairly close to me but Canada wide and worldwide as well and she's got some, uh, some fun royal connections in there too so we will be talking about that later on in the show. Starting out the book that I recommend this week is called Her One Mistake by Heidi Perks and it's all about one mother who's looking after another mother's child. The child disappears at the school fair and then the whole kind of um, different perspectives, points of view as they try to find this child and figure out what was going on. There's some interesting twists to it um, and then of course, the friendship aspect of it, you know, you're watching your friend's child and this happens, but then the interesting things that are going on in each of the women's lives. So it was uh, it was a very, very interesting story. And to tell you the truth, I've read a lot of books lately um, that... Many of them I've abandoned. Like I've just started them and thought, forget it. Or I've finished them and thought, no, nah, that one's not making it onto the blog or the podcast. So, just so that you always know that I'm only sharing the best of the best, I think part of it was I had put a whole bunch of books on hold. Hoping that they'd kind of, you know, trickle in for summer reading. And then there was one weekend where between my two libraries, I think I got 13 or 14 books all at once. So I thought, okay, there's absolutely no way I'm going to read all these before they come due again. So I really had to be choosy. So if I started a book and I wasn't really compelled to continue, and you know, because you know whether you feel like reading or not. If you have a book sitting there and you're not drawn to go sit and read, then it probably means you're not that into the book. So, but a book that I did enjoy was this one. So her one mistake by Heidi Perks. Next up for the lifestyle segment I just want to talk a little bit about professional rejection because with all the media stuff that I do now I find I'm facing it a lot and to go back in time with my first few jobs I never really had to deal with it. So you know I started out babysitting so obviously you've got your your connections within the community for that and then when I got my first you know, official part-time job in high school. What had happened was my dad and I had just gone down to the mall to get an ice cream cone. And he knew the manager of Baskin Robbins because he had coached one or or both of her sons in hockey. And we happened to land in right after she had received a phone call from one of her teenage employees calling in sick yet again, I guess not a very reliable employee. So right on the spot, she said, how old are you? Do you want a job? (laughs) And so that's how I started working at Baskin-Robbins. And then another part-time job I had was working at the convent. Yes, you heard that correctly, um, on reception. And again, one of the sisters at the convent also worked at my high school. So, you know, connections and that's the way it goes. And I certainly think that I was qualified and deserved the job, but we know that it certainly helps if if there are connections that you have. Then um, later on in university, I worked at an insurance company and I did not have any connections there. So it was just a case of, you know, putting in resumes and they were looking for some students. And I'm very glad I got that job because I ended up meeting a couple of my best friends and we're still friends to this day. So those things kind of worked out well for me. And then with teaching, the year that I was in Teachers College, Ontario was really desperate for teachers. And I was also qualified to teach French. And so It was February of my teacher's college year and I already had been given a contract for the following September. So when I was just barely 23 I started full-time permanent teaching and I've been doing it ever since. So in terms of you know fighting for jobs and rejection and all of that stuff I know I was extremely lucky. But then we got into the media world and when I decided to start pitching magazines with articles that's when i started realizing oh my gosh i'm not going to get every job that i go for and it was really hard to um i think to start handling that rejection and so some things that really helped me were talking to other writers just reading you know forums and all that stuff and understanding that it wasn't just me and that's the way it works so no matter what field you're in that's really a good idea to kind of have other connections people who are trying to get their foot in the door and And just so that you know the way that job market works, because then you won't feel quite so bad. And then, of course, try to get any advice that you can about dealing with that rejection. I mean, so for there were a lot of magazines that I pitched for months or even years before I got an article with them. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard because sometimes I'd pitch an idea and it would be completely ignored And then sometimes I would pitch and you'd get the form letter back and you know that the editor didn't even really look at it. It's just, thank you so much for your submission. It's not a fit for us at this time, you know, whatever. So delete those. But then sometimes you would have editors who would go the extra step to say, you know, thanks for this. Actually, we did something similar last year, so this won't work. And of course, make sure you do your research because then I might have known that they had done something similar. And sometimes they'd say, you know, We're trying not to cover so much of that topic these days or there'd be something, some little piece that would give me something to go on, which was helpful, but sometimes it's just nothing and you just have to, to realize that they don't want you. In terms of professional rejection, I found it almost as hard to take the feedback from editors when I did get an assignment and they would send back my article and it would be completely hacked up. Now, some editors are more easygoing than others, and some magazines work differently than others. Some do not ask for second drafts. Some just take your first draft, touch up a few things, and that's the article. But I have worked for some that want second and third and sometimes fourth. And if you say big, they want large. But if you said large, they want big, and the editors really just want to have their own handle on it. So that could be stressful sometimes, too. Um, And even with TV things, I would pitch places that didn't necessarily want, want what I was trying to to sell so to speak and there was one show that I did a few times and then basically they said they're kind of moving away from the education stuff that I do so I tried not to take it personally I don't think it was personal maybe someone out there knows something different but I do believe knowing the show as I do that that isn't really the kind of content that they're after anymore but then I ended up finding another show and and they do want that kind of stuff and it's working out great so it's kind of that cheesy old phrase when one door closes another opens or, or whatever. But, um, if you are in the whole media world or especially freelance writing, I did do a series on my blog called adventures in freelance writing, and I shared all sorts of tips. Um, I talked to editors for some things. I also shared a successful pitch that had gotten me a a national magazine article. So the whole query letter is, is right in there. I talk about organizing my work. um, Top five tips. I'm just going through here to see what else I have. Things about thickening the skin, which is basically what I've been what I've been talking about here. Because I didn't really have to deal with that kind of rejection as much until I tried to start doing this. Um, even at this exact moment, I'm waiting to hear back from a PR person for uh, kind of a, a major name, and I had pitched the idea of having this person on my podcast, just in the whole spirit of you never know if you don't ask. And then I got a contact from this person saying, yep, I'd like to have a phone call about this. And she wanted to see some draft questions and and kind of get a, a sense of how it would go. And now I'm just waiting to hear back again. And the answer might very well be, no, it's not going to be a fit, which would be really, really disappointing. But I'm just kind of learning to live with all of that stuff now. And there's one piece that I did on Adventures in Freelancing where I actually got several national magazine editors to share their tips for pitching. So I'll link to that in the show if writing is something you're interested in. But no matter what field you're in, I just kind of wanted to give you a little boost right now that... The job market can be tough, and I know, especially for teachers in Ontario, where I am right now, jobs have been lost and and competition is going to pick up again. And just hang in there, talk to colleagues, do what you can. Make sure you get feedback when you have interviews if there's a possibility of a debrief to find out what you did well and what you didn't. I know my husband is a principal and has done lots of different interviews and he's happy to be able to do that for teachers and to be able to tell them, you know, here's something you might want to work on. You might want to try getting your qualifications in in this other area because that might help you with the job market. So definitely take any feedback, any advice you can, no matter what field you are in, and just know you are not alone in handling professional rejection. It might have taken me a long time to, to have to face it, but now I'm facing it all the time with my side gig and that's just the way it goes if you are looking for me on social media i would love to be found i am on twitter and facebook at this mom loves i am on instagram at kate this mom loves my website is this and i will have all the information from today's show in the show notes this slash podcasts and again this is episode 29 I'm very excited to introduce my special guest today, and probably my youngest guest that I've had so far. She is Faith Dickinson. She's the Canadian teen behind Cuddles for Cancer, and among her many accolades, she has been the recipient of the Diana Award, named for the late Princess of Wales, and she even scored an invite to Harry and Meghan's wedding, and we're going to talk about all of that today on the show. Welcome, Faith. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Let's start with Cuddles for Cancer. So how old are you now, first of all?
1: I will be 17 in September.
0: Okay. And you started Cuddles for Cancer when you were just nine years old. So tell us a bit about that, where you got the idea and how that started.
1: Yeah. So when I was nine, I found out that my Aunt Lindy in Alberta was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and I made her a blanket. And she said it was so nice because she got extremely cold during her chemo treatments. And during that same week, I gave blankets to my teachers at the end of the year in grade four, and they all said that they would cuddle into them. And one of my teachers cried because she was retiring and was just so touched that someone cared about her for a change. And when my mom picked me up from school that day, I told her that I wanted to make everyone feel that good. And then we came up with Cuddles for Cancer.
0: Wow. And I mean, you run a local spot where people can come and help make the blankets, but your blankets have actually gone all around the world. Where are some of the countries that they've been to?
1: Yeah. So our cuddle blankets have been to over 35 countries around the world. Uh, Some include Scotland, England, the United States, Germany, France, Australia, Brazil, Dubai, and all across Canada, of course, and many in Africa, and our soldier blankets, which is a Canadian fabric, uh, those blankets have been sent to Afghanistan, Kuwait, Iraq, Ukraine, Poland, and Latvia.
0: Wonderful. So I'm sure there are a lot of moms listening to the show right now and wondering what your parents did to encourage this sense of philanthropy in you. Do you have any parenting tips from your experience as being the daughter?
1: (laughs) Well, my parents were always super supportive of all my endeavors, uh, whether that was for church, uh, school, or of course, my volunteering, uh, Cuddles for Cancer. Um, So I would just say, If kids have someone that they can trust and go to that's supportive, um, whether that's a coach or a teacher or anything, especially a parent, uh, I think that would really help.
0: Now, in 2017, you received the Diana Award. And as I mentioned off the top, that's named for Diana, Princess of Wales. So it's wonderful the attention that your work has gotten. So can you tell me a little bit about the award and what happened there?
1: Yeah, sure. So I found out that I was nominated first of all, and then that I had won. And I was one of 20 youth around the whole world uh, that won the inaugural Princess Diana Legacy Award. So with this award, I got to go over to the UK for my first time. And I got to meet Prince William and Prince Harry because they presented the award to me. And it was just such an amazing experience.
0: And I will definitely put the photo of you with Prince William and Prince Harry in the show notes for everyone to see for this episode, because it's just such a great picture. Now, that (laughs) hasn't been your only royal excitement. So let's talk about a very special invitation that you received just last year.
1: Yeah. So Tessie Ojo, who is the CEO of the Diana Award, uh, we kept in touch after I had won the Legacy Award, and she said, do you think that you could chat with me on the phone for a few minutes? I just want to check up and see how Cuddles for Cancer is doing. So of course I gave her a phone call and she actually ended up telling me that I was one of the seven youth invited to the Royal Wedding through the Diana Award. So I got to go over to Prince Harry and Meghan's wedding. And I would say that is definitely at the top of the list for best experiences.
0: Now, you had a ton of media interest following the announcement that you were going to be attending the wedding. I mean, you were on ETOC and CityLine and BT. So what was that like having all of those different, I mean, I know radio stations and everybody was trying to get a hold of you. So how did that feel and what was that experience like?
1: It was very overwhelming, I must say, um, but also really exciting. And I would say the hardest part with that was that when I flew over to the UK, Uh, I got to Windsor, and I got to sleep for a little bit because we took a red-eye flight. And then I woke up after two hours, and I went down, and there was one hotel where all the media was, American and Canadian, and I did 16 interviews. So (laughs) that was very overwhelming, but an incredible experience.
0: And of course, when you're going to a royal wedding, what you wear is very important. And so you chose a lovely dress. And what was the reason you picked blue?
1: Well, blue is personally my favorite color. Uh, It was blue with a hint of purple, which I really loved. And I don't know if you can tell in the pictures, but when I was over in the UK, when I had won the Princess Diana Legacy Award, I went to Althorpe, where Princess Diana grew up and where she is now buried. And I got a heart-shaped necklace, which I keep close to my heart. And there was actually a place in the dress where you could see my necklace. And that was very important. So as long as you could see it and it was there, that meant the world to me. So Zaryuchi made the dress for me. And it was my dream dress. And I also had a fascinator by David Dunkley. And it matched the dress perfectly. And I was so happy with it.
0: So is that the sort of thing where they reached out to you, or did you go looking to see who might be wanting to partner with you? How did that work?
1: So Nora Pucci from Zaryuchi, uh, she contacted me on Instagram, and she mentioned not only that she would love the advertisement, of course, for her uh, business, but she showed an interest to Cuddles for Cancer and my work uh, and volunteering which was really important to me. So I decided to go with her and I was really excited. I had never got, gotten like anyone uh, wanting to make a dress for me or have a fascinator <laughs> or anything. So it was really amazing.
0: That's great. I still have never owned a fascinator. So that's on my bucket list <laughs> that I have somewhere to go where I will need a fascinator someday. What are your favorite yeah. memories from that wedding?
1: Okay, so there was a moment when the choir was singing Stand By Me, which was so beautiful. And of course, I was taking pictures and videos throughout the whole time. But in that moment, I put my phone down and I closed my eyes and I just had one of those moments where you reflect on where you really are and how real it actually is. And I would say that was my favorite moment. Good
0: for you. you have received several other well-deserved honors for your work with Cuddles for Cancer, and one fun one actually involved Barbie. So can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so a few months ago, it was Barbie's 60th anniversary, and I was invited to go to the top of the CN Tower to celebrate with them as a Barbie role model. And then the next day, I got to go to Toys R Us and make blankets with uh, some children, and that was very exciting as well.
0: So you are obviously a teen, still in school. How hard is it to balance your school work with the Cuddles for Cancer work that you do? Because it's not just actually making blankets, it's also the promotion and all the social media things you do too. So how do you find that whole balance is going?
1: Yeah, I would say that's definitely the most difficult part. Uh, there have been times where I've just been so tired and worn out from school and Cuddles, balancing the both. Um, but that is... <sighs> I would say that's the challenge, but it's also the good part because I have to learn how to manage my time and skills. So I go to school six days a week. I actually go on Saturdays as well. So that takes away more time from Cuddles because that's the day that we're open at the drop-in center. So on Sundays, I really like to go to church, but I also make blankets at Cuddles And I always, when I get home, check my emails and social media and make sure that I'm covered there as well.
0: Now, what other special projects are you working on right now? I believe by the time this airs in July, you're going to be back in the UK. Can you tell us what's going on?
1: Yeah, of course. So I am taking three other members of my youth council, um... Two are my age and one is 12 years old and we're going over to the UK and we are delivering uh, blankets to children's hospitals, two in England and one in Edinburgh. And we are definitely going to go sightseeing everywhere, but it is a working trip, of course. Um, We would love to open a Cuddles for Cancer in the UK. So our last step to doing that is finding a fleece supplier. So we are meeting with a few people who we could potentially work with. So that's very exciting as well. And we will be going to a youth summit where Prince Harry will actually be at. And Mm -hmm. we'll be meeting with the Diana Award as well.
0: Oh, that's very exciting. You've got a great, great summer to look forward to. What are your plans in terms of a little more long-term, your future education and career? Have you thought that far ahead?
1: Yeah, so I definitely want to pursue a degree in business. Um, I actually heard that Queens in Kingston is now offering a non-profit uh, masters that you can take. And I'm really interested in that.
0: Oh yeah, that does sound good. So in terms of a call to action here, so people who want to get involved and support cuddles for cancer. So first of all, what can local people do to help? And what can people who might live farther away do to help with cuddles for cancer?
1: Yeah. So People locally can drop into the drop-in center in Lakefield, 15 Queen Street, Lakefield. Uh, We're open Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and they can make blankets. A thing that we have recently started to do is writing the volunteers' names and attaching it to the blanket so that when the patient receives it, they can see who made it for them. Nice. So that's really amazing, and I would say that people far away, it's more difficult For them to get involved but with cuddles for cancer we we only fundraise and donations go back into buying more fleece so donations are always welcome but they're never expected when we deliver blankets we never ask patients to pay so
0: And any last words of wisdom or advice for people who may have other ideas, things they want to do to make a difference? Maybe they want to start something like Cuddles for Cancer, but their own different idea. Maybe they're young, maybe they're old. Any tips for what people should do just to get themselves started? Yes,
1: of course. So my motto is that you are never too young to make a difference. That is very important to get that message out there. Um, I would also say find a cause that you're passionate about and follow your heart and make a difference.
0: Wonderful. Well, I will have all of the links to uh, Cuddles for Cancer and Faith's information in the show notes for this episode at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And this is episode 29. Thank you so much for being here to chat today, Faith.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me again.
0: And that brings us to the end of this episode of This Mom Loves. If you have been here before, you know what I'm going to say next. I would love if you enjoy the show, if you could rate or review it, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, share it with a friend, anything that you can do to help spread the word about the show is really appreciated because word of mouth is super helpful when it comes to uh, to a new show like this. I would also like to thank you very much for being here. A special thanks to my fantastic editor, Lukas Poczytski. And until next time, I hope you all have a fantastic week.